You are listening to 93.1 Life FM. Inclusive Cork is an organisation which aims to transform organisations into inclusion leaders by offering practical, no-nonsense solutions that impact outcomes and remove the myths, fears and very much stereotypes associated with disability. Joining us on the line now is Managing Director of Inclusive Cork, Claire Keneally, to tell us more about working with a disability and disability in the workplace. Claire, thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning, Arthur. Thank you for having me on. Tell me, Claire. first of all, just give us, I give a very brief overview of Inclusive Cork. We've spoken before. Just remind us again, if you would, about your organisation in terms of who you are and the services you offer, if you would. Okay, I'd be delighted to. So, um, Arthur, what I do is uh, diversity and inclusion training. Mm -hmm. But our expertise in this area is disability awareness training for organisations. So diversity is very broad. Um, In terms of diversity, people generally look at gender, sexual orientation, race, member of the traveller community, etc. And included in that is disability. As I always say, disability doesn't discriminate. So it doesn't matter whether you're male or female or Hindu or Christian or um, gay or straight you can acquire during your lifetime a disability. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what we're talking about today is very apt because we're looking at working with a disability and that's the um, area that Inclusive Cork focus on is whether you were born with a disability or you acquire a disability during your lifetime that uh, you can still work. Mm-hmm. So whether it's about recruitment or retention in the workplace, that all the supports are there for the employee and for the employer uh, to stay in the workplace. Because you know yourself, Arthur, work is so important, um, not just for your own self-confidence and self-esteem, but for your economic um, sustainability in society. It's, it's very important. Mm. Of course, every employer, every organisation will want employees that bring in skills, talents and abilities to the workplace. And of course, like all employees, people with disabilities can bring these as much as somebody without a disability. So no doubt it's important to, to embrace to embrace all in that manner. Exactly. Uh, we're all diverse. I suppose that's the number one thing. Whether you have a disability or not, you're diverse. Like I've been teaching now, I suppose, going on 28 years. And when you have a group of students in front of you, even if they are all male, white students, Mm-hmm. They're diverse. Mm-hmm. And, okay? mm-hmm. and so everyone, every group of people is diverse. And then we have some diversities that society just hasn't caught up with in terms of in the workplace. Um, but now with technology, even the definition of what disability is, is constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are a range of supports out there as well. Uh, tell us, if you would, first of all, before we get to all that, uh, in terms of uh, if somebody, as you mentioned, not acquiring a disability, a disability can affect anybody regardless of who you are or where you are. So if you have a job, if a person has a job and becomes disabled, be it through accident or illness, um, give some understanding of the supports and I suppose of the criteria and uh, what's, it's, it's not uh, it's not the end of everything perhaps for in terms of work but you run through that with us what actually happens of course depending on the nature of your disability and the type of job the person has there may be there may actually be no problem with the return to work uh, run through that with us if you would I think that's you know that's exactly it with some disabilities there might be absolutely no issue you can return to the job that you are already doing and um, just to start there because you're saying you're, imagine you're already at work mm-hmm. and you are 
painting a scenario, Arthur, that is the most common one. 80% of disability happens during our working lives Mm -hmm. between the ages of 18 and 65. And I think there's a stereotype that maybe most people believe you're born with your disability or it's when you're in your very old age that you acquire your disability. But that's a fallacy. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. Most disability is acquired during the ages of 18 and 65. And this is when we are all at work. Okay, for Mm -hmm. myself, my own disability, I was identified at the age of 19. So Mm -hmm. I was right there in the um, that age bracket. Now, mine is progressive, which many illnesses are. So you might be identified at the age of, say, 18 or 19, but it mightn't really affect you until you're in your 30s or 40s and your career is well on its way. Um, so what supports are there? There are many supports um, we are looking at. So say, for example, if someone acquires a disability and they've never had a disability before, maybe it's as a result of an accident mm-hmm. and they are coming back to work um, and maybe they will be their production might be down. OK, OK. So there is something that the employer can get. It's called the WSS. It's the Wage Subsidy Scheme. Okay. And what the Wage Subsidy Scheme does is it will give the employer uh, the 20%, you know, shortfall that they might expect if someone is coming back to work and maybe their mobility has been affected and they just need a bit more time to do their job. So they're still employed. But the shortfall in terms of production is paid by the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection. So I suppose that's one of the most important things to start off this discussion is that the department who has all this information is the DEASP, the Mm -hmm. Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection. There are, of course, various scenarios, uh, possible options for the person who's acquired the, the the disability and, of course, for the, the employer. Run through us that there's various uh, terms, if I'm correct. Now, there's things like partial redeployment, there's redeployment, flexible working arrangements, uh, personal reader grants, so forth. Run through us those with us, if you would, just the different options that are available. OK, well, first of all, um, there is a difference between public and private, mm-hmm. even in terms of our legislation. OK, so the Disability Act is for the public sector. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the public sector, they are required, they have a quota, that 3% of their workforce um, must have a disability. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no quota for the private sector. Okay. So straight away, if you are employed in the public sector, um, it should be very easy for you to return to work and to have partial redeployment. They may be part of your job and you can do and part of your job you can't do. So look, I'll just take me for an example. And it's my eyesight that is deteriorating. So obviously when I was 18 or 19, you know, my I had pretty good eyesight and I could see much more things. But, you know, by the time I was in my 30s and 40s, um, it had deteriorated. So reading would be much more difficult for me. So if there were elements of my job that required me to do a lot of reading, maybe I could be partially redeployed mm-hmm. from that. Okay. Right? Um, I'll give another example. A very good friend of mine has a spinal injury. Now, he was a mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and had a huge knowledge of cars. 
and he acquired a spinal injury. And therefore, for him, being a mechanic no longer was going to work for him because as a result of the spinal injury, we'll say the nerves on his hands, like he would drop things more easily. So he's not going to be able to pick up his tools and do that fine work that you would need if you're, you know, working on a car. But his partial redeployment was he stayed working with his job, but he moved into sales rather than the mechanics. Okay. You know what I mean, Arthur? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's when you have, I suppose, partial redeployment is about you still have a knowledge of your area, but you maybe can't do all the jobs that you used to do, mm-hmm. right? Full redeployment would mean retraining and something else. So if you had a job whereby, um, say it was maybe on a factory floor and that factory floor um, isn't ready to receive a wheelchair user and you are now a wheelchair user, maybe you'd have to be completely redeployed from the factory floor to maybe office. Mm-hmm. duties. Mm-hmm. So you still have a knowledge of the products, the materials, the logistics, the you know, the suppliers, you still have all of that knowledge, but you're not able to maybe even access the factory floor, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so that's the difference. I think it's much easier in public than in private redeployment. I think in private industry it really depends on the size of the employer. Mm-hmm. And resources um, available. And the resources available. And um, if you look at any of our legislation, even though we have incredible support, right, adaptation um, support, like, you know, work equipment adaptation grants, there's lots of sports. But if it's not reasonable financially, if the cost is too much to the employer to absolutely, you know, rebuild a whole premises to be able to accommodate um, an individual, the employer isn't required to do so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's kind of underwritten in in everything. You, it's what we call reasonable accommodation. Okay. All right. So if it's reasonable, it will be done. But if the costs are huge, it doesn't have to be done. Okay. All right. And I suppose you, everyone has to be in the conversation and logical about where, you know, where is where is the employee going to work best, mm-hmm. you know, and what can be sustainable as well. And um, so in terms of other grants that are available, we have the employee retention grant mm-hmm. scheme. So that would be, again, as a result of a disability or an illness or a condition or an impairment that the employer gets okay. more support to retain the person in the workplace. And mm-hmm. um, another grant, which I would be very involved in, is called the Disability Awareness uh, Training Scheme. And this is all about awareness training and also, just like what we're doing this morning, Arthur, like I'm, we're navigating the different grants, that training, what I do when I go out to organizations, as well as giving them confidence around disability and explaining what disability is in the 21st century, mm-hmm. it's about navigating what grants are available to you mm-hmm. if you need them. Okay. And also for to, I suppose, make colleagues more confident around disability whether they're dealing with a colleague with a disability another employee or whether they're dealing with customers with disabilities you know and mm-hmm. um, because a lot, you don't learn this in school okay. you know mm-hmm. so, indeed um, 
people are can be can be a little bit uncomfortable around disability. They don't know the right thing to say. They don't know the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it, it, it is a bit of a, a, a kind of a grey area, indeed, no doubt. There, there is quite a lot of information, as you say. There, there's, there's quite. A, you were mentioning there about the employee retention grant scheme. There's also, of course, a wage subsidy scheme. So the wage subsidy scheme isn't just about people coming back to work. It's not just about retention. It could be um, for anyone who is um, already disabled and applying for work. Okay, so there's a couple of organisations. If you're at home today and you're listening to this and you have a skill and you want to get work or if you don't have a skill and you really want to get work, you need to have, that's the one thing, stay in education until you get those skills. And there are amazing organisations here in Cork. So let me just mention them first. Mm -hmm. How about the National Learning Network? Okay. They will bring your skills that are needed in industry, whether it's in the hospitality industry or in the tech industry, they will teach you the skills. And as well as that, they will help you get the jobs because they're in touch with employers all the time. And then they will help negotiate if it is necessary a wage subsidy scheme. Say, for example, someone is working in a supermarket and they're stocking shelves and and it takes them 20% longer to stock a shelf than someone who doesn't have a disability, Mm -hmm. then that employer might be entitled to the wage subsidy scheme. The one thing I'll say about the wage subsidy scheme is you have to be able to work 21 hours. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's not, if you're only working 10 hours, we'll say, Mm -hmm. and you're not entitled, your employer won't be entitled to the wage subsidy scheme. Okay. And that can come into play. I've worked with many people in supported employment roles And for some disabilities, it's very easy to work 21 hours. But for other disabilities, maybe as a result of, you know, tiredness or illness, you might be able to work and you might be able to work two hours a day, five days a week, but you mightn't be able to work 21 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And therefore, your employer isn't entitled to that. So I'll be honest, that's one of the things I'm campaigning on. I'm trying to get that reduced to at least 15 hours a week, Mm -hmm. you know. I'd love to see. I think more people with disabilities would be employed mm-hmm. if we decreased the number of hours. Because I think the wage subsidy scheme is a brilliant scheme. But I think the 21 hours is a barrier. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm kind of talking about in Inclusive Cork. Like as a society, we put barriers in the way and we don't even realize we're putting barriers in the way. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, by just putting, oh, it has to be 21 hours, is it's a barrier straight away, you know. So, of course, employees with disabilities, of course, have the same employment rights as other employees. Run through, if you would, just give us a brief overview of employment rights of people with disabilities in terms of legislation and what it covers and so on. There, well, like you said, people with disabilities have exactly the same rights as every other employee in the country. We're probably a little bit more complicated in terms of you know, we may need reasonable accommodation and all of that is covered in legislation like equality legislation or employment equality legislation. And for the public service, it would be the Disability Act, mm-hmm. right? Now, the Disability Act does not cover private sector. Private sector is covered by the Equal Status Act and the Employment Equality Act. So there's a lot of different pieces of legislation and um, we have exactly the same rights. I suppose what I always talk about as well, you know, like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, a person with a disability is not just the disability, right? We're still male or female. We're still mums and dads. We're still 
um, you know, have religious beliefs or not, where we still belong to an ethnic community, right? So we have a lot of what we call intersectionality or protected characteristics. It's not just one. And what can often happen to a person with a disability is that it's only, they're only described as, you know, and excuse me now if anyone is offended by this, but sometimes the language that people might use is, you know, the Down syndrome girl or, you know, your man in the wheelchair. You're mm-hmm. only identified as your disability as opposed to my name is Claire. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman. I'm Irish. I'm okay. a mum. Okay. Oh, yes. And I am vision impaired. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we have many diversities and all of those need to be recognized in the workplace. And disability is just one of those. So all your rights are exactly the same as any other employee. But inclusive employers, I suppose the kind of employers that you really want to work for are the ones who recognize that, you know, people with disabilities are a talent pool that may need reasonable accommodation or adaptations in the workplace they can certainly still bring a lot of talent in the door, problem solving, creativity, flexibility, you know, there's a lot of things like that. So, um, But we have exactly the same rights as any other employee in the country. Mm-hmm. It's great to be in a country where it would offer that protection to employees. And just for anyone who's out there today and they are interested in working, contact your um, Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection We're very lucky in Cork. We've got an amazing guy working in there called Dermot Crosby. And um, then also contact your employability office. The employability is all over the country. Their job is to um, find work for people with disabilities. So you first of all have to be registered with the department and then you get straight into employability. You get a job coach and they help you find the job. Mm-hmm. And then organize other organizations that train people with disabilities are like um, Field of Dreams, who work with um, Down syndrome adults, mm-hmm. and also, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, Cope Foundation, and okay. like I mentioned earlier, the National Learning Network, as well as all the other further education colleges, etc. You know, there's there's so much support out there, but it's just knowing where to look. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's the yeah. thing. That Employability Service in Cork, obviously, is quite a good organisation as well. Uh, it supports people with disabilities. So it's great to have such a support besides the, just the DSP. So it's, uh, it's great to have all that. Uh, could you give us as well, Claire? you mentioned at the beginning of the interview about your own organisation, Inclusive Cork. Where can people get more information about your, your organisation? Okay, well, I'm on social media. I'm mostly on like Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. I also have a website, inclusivecork.ie. But if you want to learn more about disability in the 21st century, whether you're an employer or a parent or um, looking for work, I actually do a podcast. Okay. And the podcast is called the Disruptability. It's all one word, Disruptability Podcast. Mm-hmm. And the podcast is on Spotify, mm-hmm. SoundCloud, iTunes. But I also put it on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called Inclusive Cork, Disruptability Podcast. And on YouTube, it is captioned for anyone who is deaf or has hearing loss. Okay, Okay. so all my podcasts are completely inclusive and accessible for everyone. 
And the topics that I've covered are very diverse. I, I talk about things like diversity and equality, legislation, neurodiversity, autism, web content accessibility guidelines. Now, that would be very important for employers because often when employers think about inclusive um, or accessible workplaces, they straight away think about wheelchairs and, you know, bathrooms and door sizes. But the first place you can get started is on your website. Is your website accessible? Can people who are neurodiverse or blind or have dexterity issues, can they access your services and your products online? Mm -hmm. I talk about inclusive leadership. I give employers um, information, international best practice. Now, I also have an interview with someone called Mary O'Grady. She used to head up the Disability Support Service in UCC, and she's an expert on transitioning from second level to third level. So I've done a whole interview about DARE and HERE. DARE is for um, students who are doing the Leaving Cert and they want to go on to third level. It's the Disability Access Route Education. All of that would have been filled in, you know, the CAO, it's all happening now, deadlines are coming up. So if you have a disability um, today and you're listening or you're a parent and you're listening and you want your child to go on to third level education, you need to fill in the DARE um, application form as well as the um, CAO. And then in general, just like what we're doing today is what I call digital community empowerment. I really want to empower people with disabilities, people like me. Mm-hmm. to um, the information, it's it's not very easy to get. It can be very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you just used the word quagmire, Arthur. It is. That's <laughs> it. You, you can hit a wall of information and not know where to turn. Yeah, uh, just that point you mentioned there briefly before about somebody who's uh, applying for the CAO, they need to fill out another form as well. What is that again, please? Okay, it's called DARE, D-A-R-E. And what it stands for is the Disability Access Route to education and if you want more information on that i have an interview it's in season two it's with mary o'grady and she talks you through exactly how to fill in the application form the deadlines when to get it in and why you should fill it in if you have a disability Mm -hmm. you should fill this in and get yourself into third level and get a good education and make yourself very available for employment and I suppose any employer will want you if you have the skills and the education. Very good. If you don't have that, it's very hard. I've worked, I've gone into groups of people with disabilities and I'm like, what kind of work do you do? And they're like, oh, I'll do anything. But I'm like, but what do you do? Like, what's your skill? What are you offering the employer? Mm. Like, I think people have to be very clear. Like an employer can only give you a job if you know what you do, Mm -hmm. what you offer. Are you a teacher? Are you a nurse? Are you... You know, good at retail? Are you good at customer service? Mm-hmm. What, are you techie? Mm-hmm. Like, are you a bookkeeper? Mm-hmm. What is it that you do? And you will get a job. Mm-hmm. There are lots of inclusive employers in Cork. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the person with the disability, I encourage you, I absolutely get the education, get the skills, go to the organizations like the National Learning Network, COPE, Field of Dreams, all of the CETB colleges. Get the training, stay in education mm-hmm. and bring the support. Know what you need. OK, technology is the game changer, Arthur. I'm really excited about technology. OK, mm-hmm. and whatever support you're getting in secondary school, you will get in further education and third level. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Know your support. Know how to use them. 
And then when you go to the job, don't expect your manager to understand fibromyalgia or vision impairment or um, multiple sclerosis. They won't. I mean, you know, like none of us, it's so complex. None of us are consultants in these areas, right? Mm -hmm. You come and you say, listen, this is the story and this is how I work. Okay. So I'm, I'm an A1 student in bookkeeping. I can do this. And some days I might be doing it remotely because I'm a smart worker. Mm -hmm. I have my office set up at home. I can work from home. And when I'm feeling well, I'll come into your office for team meetings, etc. But I like there are so many opportunities in the future of work and in smart working and in remote working. And I think we're going to have to learn this in a hurry now with the coronavirus. You know, Mm, so many of us are going to be working from home and you can work from home. And it's about trust. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to trust our employers and our employees and the work will be done. Indeed, indeed it is. Uh, we could talk about, I do hope to touch base with you again soon because it's quite a fascinating story. That that interview you mentioned with that lady in terms of the organisation Disability Access Route, that is on your podcast route, is that correct? It is. It's. Um, I think it's season two. I can't remember the episode now. I'll have to look for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but her name is Mary O'Grady and that's for transitioning from second level to third level. Um, she talks about the DARE scheme and the HEAR scheme. Very good. E-A-R, that's the higher education access route. So the DARE is for disability and the HEAR scheme is more for um, like socioeconomic if you can't afford to go to college or you come from, say, a DESH school, okay. um, a disadvantaged area, then you can apply to college via the HEAR scheme. So these are all things that like the career guidance teachers in second level schools should know about anyway. But if mm. there's a parent out there listening today and they haven't heard about it, then, hey, you've heard it today from Good Arthur enough. and Claire, you <laughs> know, and um, that's what I mean by digital community empowerment. We're that's just sharing information. That's all we're doing. That's it. Claire Keneally, Managing Director of Inclusive Cork. Thanks so much for your time today and we do hope to touch base with you again soon. Uh, thank you, Arthur. Thanks, Have a good day. Have a good day. You're listening to 93.1 Life FM.